0: Chances. Oh, brilliant goal, a brilliant goal! Remember the name,
1: Wayne Rooney!
0: Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di Tacco, Tiro! Goal! 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 Grasso! Goal!
2: Andrea Pirlo will take, and it's full in, and it's in! A goal in 50 seconds for Milan! And oh, would you believe it? the skipper, has scored it. Aguero!
0: I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again.
1: Footy fans are back. Andrew, Santo, and Joe. Everybody, welcome to the pod. Welcome to the video portion of the pod. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe. Um, if you're watching or if you're listening on podcast platforms, leave a review, leave a five-star like. Helps us get, us a, get our name out there. Joe, what do we got to do here?
2: You already said it. Just hit oh, the bell for just, notifications. Yeah, say too. it again. It's always
1: good to say it twice. <laughs> like, just to remind subscribe, the people. hit the bell for notifications. Boom. There we go. <laughs> um, so we spoke to you guys last on Tuesday. I think the podcast dropped um, midday on Wednesday. So we kind of previewed the games coming up midweek. And there's some spicy ones. Um, I think the, like, the one that we looked most forward to um, was probably the Tottenham-Southampton game just because it's, you know, Tottenham's kind of mid-table now, which is, surprising it's safe for Tottenham. Um, Southampton has had a good runner form the last couple of weeks. And um, that was a
2: shocker of a game. Like, that, was, that was entertaining as hell. Yeah. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. tons of action with all the goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they lost, I got to say... It's good to see Kane really get back into it. I mean, he didn't play amazing, but he was, you know, creating chances. Did miss that header from pretty close range that just bounced over. But yeah. I do just like to see that he's like really playing hard and playing decently well. But yeah, it was it was a juicy one, like tons happening. Bergwijn came in late. I'm like, oh, is he just gonna get two goals again in the last three minutes and win it for Tottenham? <laughs> <him?"> but <laughs> that evidently didn't happen. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if it's. Um, Yeah, he just goes to show, like, Conte, what he can do, get players' mindset right. I know he's, like, who was it? Um, I forget. Someone on Tottenham said, like, their training sessions are, like, death. (laughs) Or what have you. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, good on Conte, you know, starting to get more out of Kane. Um, But, you know, they still have work to do. They're sitting in eighth right now. Have a little bit of work to get back into the Champions League mix. You know, I do know they have two games on Man U, so... uh, they aren't like they're not in the worst spot ever, but uh, you know, especially with Man U dropping some points, it'll be, it'll be juicy come the end of the season.
1: Yeah. So we, we did recap the Man U game because it actually took place uh, just a few hours before we recorded the last episode. So if you want to listen to what we had to talk about that one, go back to the previous uh, episode on your platform. But yeah, three, two victory for Southampton over Tottenham, a couple late goals for for the saints there to, to re- kind of wrap it up. Um, Elian tying in the 80th and then Che Adams scoring the 82nd, uh, tucked it away nicely there against Larice uh, to secure the win for, for Southampton. Like we said, they're kind of just like a mid-level team that just always comes up to the big games against the big clubs. Like we said before against Liverpool and Man City, they always kind of seem to show up and put in a strong effort. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just, it's just funny to see because like, they're such a mid-level team and they can just still show up whenever they have to. And perform, and I know we'll get into it later on today. But with Spurs dropping this game against Southampton the way that they did, late result, and then getting another crushing defeat today uh, at the hand of Wolves, I mean they're kind of just like not really identifying themselves as like a European Championship club, mm-hmm. and it's just hard to see because there is such there is such top end talent with Tottenham, but then there's the disconnect between the other players. It's, like a, it's a big gap. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have your three or four guys at the top, um, whether they be attacking players like, you know, like Kane or Son or um, Lucas Mora. And then you have your defenders there that are kind of like just really spread out apart, like just in the depth, where it's like you can have all the attack that you want, but then if you can't defend and you can't let goals, you know, not get scored on you, then you're not a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like what we were talking about with Maine United at the start of the season and then since Ragnick has came in he obviously has kind of tightened it up back there and I think Spurs are kind of looking at the same thing when they brought Antonio Conte in because he's such a perfectionist and like Joe alluded to he's just like crazy with drills and with um, training sessions I remember back at Chelsea a lot of players are complaining too saying how like, they have put in their dues to get to the level that they're at they don't want to be running these two a day you know, training sessions and wind sprints and all that kind of stuff but I think Antonio Conte's like culture and his mindset is, if we don't have the best team, we're gonna have the fittest team, or we're gonna have yeah. the most physical team that can last ninety minutes plus. Um, and that's kind of what you have to do if you don't have the top end talent that, you know, can garner big games and big victories for you. So, I mean, that game against against uh, Southampton again, just a late game collapse. I um, will talk a little bit later on today against the the Wolves match, but. Um. Yeah, I know Santo said, like, Kane, hey, it's good to see him back. But if you're not scoring, you're not back. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, in, you, in
2: my eyes. You're not, <laughs> you're not fully back. Uh, no. It's just, it's just good to see him not be, uh, I guess, more so a liability. Yeah. Um, where he, I think he was a little bit um, when we were having that whole Man City fiasco with, with Tottenham. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Southampton's always been uh, really... Tough team to play against uh, when you're when you're a top side. You know they've always always been historically. It's always the Saints Stadium, uh, whatever it's called. I can't. I'm blanking. St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's. Um, uh, It's always been a tough place to go to. And I I remember once when uh, Arsenal were going away to uh, the Saints, and it was probably the only. Pro line ticket I've ever played, and I called a draw, on that, and they did draw, and it was the nice. only time I've won anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's always been like that. So it's it's curious how they they can always play good against the top teams, but then struggle mm-hmm. against everyone else. And it always it it's curious how good they would be if they were that consistent. How high yeah. on the table they would climb.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um. So the other midweek games that took place, kind of the
1: usual suspects came away with victories. Man City beating Brentford 2-0. Liverpool, a tough match against Leicester. They always play hard against each other, but another 2-0 victory for, for Liverpool there. Uh, just another game to touch on like real quick was the Villa and Leeds match. Just one of the games of the season, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like goals and if you like sloppy play sometimes and not the most uh structured game, then just tune to the highlights of this one. Uh, 3-3 draw between Villa and Leeds. Um it's at Villa Park, so you know the crowd is rocking there. Um, especially the way they kind of finished off with uh Kanza scoring just to tie the game up late. Mm-hmm. Um I mean again, two midweek uh, two mid table teams battling it out. Always good to see. Um the, the guys that Jared brought in. I mean, I think they've shown up so far in the Coutinho and and uh, Lucadini. I think they've, you know, done what they shown that they can do so far mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for Villa. Uh, we talked about having like top 10 aspirations for them with the new signings. If we'll get there, I don't know. But um, I, I mean, Jared came in there when they were at a sinking ship. And it was basically, basically like, okay, you just kind of maybe stay afloat. Don't get relegated. Don't get close to the bottom three. Mm-hmm. And with him only being there for a couple of months, he clearly like stated his claim as like, I'm the manager for this club. Like I can, I can yeah. bring these guys to more than just you know being a, a mid-level team or staying staying safe so um good future to come i think from Aston Villa again he's only been there for a few months so like how much can you really like yeah, mm-hmm. show like you know what i mean like he doesn't have the full potential of the squad yet clearly he did have the one transfer break which he they made huge impacts but uh, i think with a full off season and um you know just more time on his hands he can he can put villa into the top 10 i
2: think Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And especially if, you know, they can keep Coutinho there. I mean, just his performance was next level uh, in that game. I mean, just, you know, the through ball and uh, the other assist he got, you you don't see that. I haven't seen that on Villa since the days of like uh, Gareth Barry. (laughs) <laughs> Woo, yeah, way back yeah. when One, the days of gareth barry at bong the uh ashe young james milner, oh, man. milner team. Yeah. Man.
1: that's some nostalgia names man. oh yeah and milner's man.
2: still kicking which is hilarious yeah i know yeah from villa city now <laughs> liverpool just going well young, young is back there which is <laughs> funny just career come full circle right yeah yeah we had a stint in... using in Italy with Inter, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, we, when Inter was just taking... When everyone of was yeah. on Man U. They just <laughs> yeah, took basically. all Man U's players that didn't want to be there anymore.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, anyway, Alexis Sanchez and Lukaku. Hmm.
2: And
1: Ashley Young. I mean, when Young went there, he was like... I mean, he still is like old. <laughs> yeah. Like to be playing still. Yeah. But um,
2: making that return to Villa is pretty cool for him. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, super cool. But yeah, I mean, just... You can tell just the level Coutinho's on uh compared to everyone else. He he was just doing magic every time he got the ball. I mean not every time he got the ball, but um just consistently all throughout the game. It was it was cool. So we'll see what Jared can get out of the rest of the team uh while he's there. And I don't think they'll have issues getting top ten if they can just keep this up and just maybe mm-hmm. shore up a few positions. Um I had a point I was going to say
1: I think you said it all yeah Um, Wolves and Arsenal Uh, we talked about this one a little bit in the preview Um, just being a good entertaining match you know two top six teams at the time they're both top six Um, Arsenal pulling away with the 1-0 victory Uh, put them to six and drop Wolves to seventh place Arsenal just one point behind Man Man U with two games in hand to play and they also have two games in hand to play against Villa also, just one point ahead. So, I mean, Arsenal out of those three, look most keen to to like solidify their spot in Europe, whether it be fourth or fifth in Europa League or Champions League. Um, it's been in a tournament that's eluded Arsenal for a couple seasons now, so it's always good mm-hmm. to get them back in there, not playing just domestic, but also playing in you know the intercontinental um, tournaments and everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch this game; uh, work was calling, and and I wasn't able to watch the highlights. So.
2: I'm gonna let the boys take it away on this
1: one, and uh, tell me what happened because I don't know. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> well, I just want to touch that. I do think for me, Arsenal is gonna be the team that uh, finishes top four. Um, you know, obviously as long as they maintain their their form, but uh, just with how they've been playing and seeing Man U just consistently drop points, uh, I think they'll catch Man U and West Ham yeah, we had a a really juicy, unique situation happen in this game with Martinelli's red card. So uh, for everyone that didn't watch the highlights or know what happened, uh, just, you know, standard run of play going. Uh, The ball goes out for a throw-in for Wolves, and Martinelli was kind of right there on the sidelines. Uh, Wolves player goes to throw it in, and Martinelli doesn't really push the guy as he's going to throw it in, but he kind of like puts his hands on him like on his chest or like upper body and it like I guess looked like a really light push. But the guy threw it in and uh the ref gave advan- advantage advantage was uh Michael Oliver. And Martinelli Good. goes and chases the referee with the uh, uh with advantage being played and goes and pushes him in the back. But it was like forearm push in the back, you know, when you see just that. Mm-hmm. So he goes over, Michael Oliver comes over, takes out the yellow <laughs> And it, Michael Oliver was like pretty fired up about the situation. Um, goes and runs over and was like doing something weird with the card I got like I think he was making it really clear that Martinelli was getting a yellow for the push and also a yellow for well, the push on the throw and, and then the push from the back on uh the advantage play. Okay. So Michael Oliver gave him two yellows right there. Ending up in a red, and then Martin Martinelli is off the field.
1: Why don't just go straight red?
2: Because it well, wasn't... You a, got two,
1: you got yeah, two it's yellows. Yeah, was two offenses. I think two yellows and a,
2: and a straight red are like different offenses. Um, <laughs> like you get suspended it for a different amount of time, I think. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, very strange. I don't agree with it. I mean, I don't even think they were... They would be both... Both of them are harsh yellows. Um, and I think just... Well, I guess I want to get your two cents.
1: Well, I mean, it's just a bonehead (laughs) sounding play. Why are you doing that? It's just, uh, there's, it's so hard because so many facets of the game or so many parts of the game are like just so stupid. Like, you know, like the whole, you know, you get injured, you roll on the ground, you take up more time. Um, You're in the 90th minute and there's three minutes added on and then your team makes two substitutions. Like the referee stopping the time, like it's just the like games, right? It's just mind games, and like mm-hmm. it doesn't actually do anything. Stuff like this, it's just he's being a goof. You know, like they already had the lead at this point, right? Um, uh, yeah, goal scored in the twenty-fifth, yeah. and the red card happened in the 69th minute. Yeah. So at this point in the game, you're already leading. Um, it looks like Wolves. I'm just looking at the stats here from. Um, from the match, it looks like Wolves were was dominating most of the play, especially the run of play with um, with possession being fifty nine to forty one. So I don't know if maybe he was trying to do it at a strategic time to slow down the pace of play or something. And like maybe that's why, like the first yellow card was coming out. You know, you know, you know, the, the ball goes mm-hmm. over throwing, you kind of dick around with the ball a little bit, don't give it back to the guy right away, just playing games. If he was doing that, then like okay, maybe a warning would have been okay but to get two yellow cards issued at the same time for two like childish offenses. These are grown ass men playing this game. <laughs> like if it was like little kids or something, then, then like, the guy's just pissing the referee off and I get it. Maybe, you know, give him a yellow card. He might go home crying or something and then he won't do it ever again. These are professional footballers. Like why, why are you treating them and like managing the game as if they were like little kids?
0: I don't mm-hmm. get that. I yeah. think that's
1: stupid. I think red card worthy is, is ridiculous because as we've seen before with VAR and how they can't get involved in some some fouls, there's been a lot of other things that have been not called red cards that we've seen so far this season that we wish were red cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for this to be issued, something like a red card, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, That's I can't I even see it. I'm going off your guys' yeah. interpretation. Like, yeah, well, it, could even, it could be even worse or,
2: or better than what you're my saying. My whole two cents was, um, like you said, I don't know why the ref would... You know, you have to be aware of the situation. Like, I'm not sure what's going through the, like, Michael Oliver's head. Like, as a ref, I probably would just, like, gave him a yellow and gave him a talking to. Like, yeah. clearly, like, you're getting a little wound up, like, two subsequent fouls like that. Because um, I think the whole, like, the whole spirit of the yellow card is, like, you're, you're getting, like, aggressive during the game and, mm-hmm. like, you're given a warning to, like, try and tone it down. I think the idea of giving it like, Oh, you did two fouls in the same play and they're both worthy of a yellow. So I'm going to give you two yellows and give you a red as whether as I think the appropriate thing would be give him a yellow, give him a talking to So he cools his head so that, cause the idea is you're trying to protect the players with those situations. And I don't think Martinelli was particularly endangering anyone on the Wolves team with the way he was playing. So I don't wow. think kicking him off the field was like a fair thing to do based on the whole idea of keeping everyone on, on the pitch, safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, giving him giving him a yellow so that like he cools his head and like so you know it doesn't totally interrupt the play of the game so that he knows like okay, I have to calm down. I'm on a yellow now. I can't like do anything crazy. I think that would have been totally fine, especially mm-hmm. considering the two fouls weren't <laughs> weren't necessarily. They were like what was it petty? Which yeah. like I, I would assume yeah. yeah, yellow's fine. You know, you're getting a little childish. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, give a yellow for yeah. both offenses. Like but just yeah. one yellow.
2: Yeah. And that's, from what, I, uh, what I've i understood, the ref has to try and make it really clear that if he's giving advantage and going to give a yellow, he has to tell try and tell the player that he is going to get booked. So I'm not sure if Martinelli knew he was on a yellow because I would probably assume Martinelli doesn't mm. make that second foul if he knows he's on a yellow. So it might've not been totally clear that he, that Michael Oliver was going to give him a yellow and Michael Oliver didn't make it clear to him. So yeah. I can only speak from my perspective. If I was Martinelli in that situation and that happened to me, I would have been absolutely livid. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure because, they'll file
1: a protest or something, which won't go through, but <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's like, I, I don't, you like, you have to tell me if I'm on a yellow. So I know, so I know what I can or can't do, because if I have to make a professional foul, I'm not going to make it if I'm on a yellow, right? How quick was it? Like, like how from the throw-in Ooh. to the second offense? Like five sec, five, seven yeah. seconds, five seconds. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I get what you're saying. He, th- there's not enough time though to even issue that, and maybe play, 15, but yeah, not long. <laughs> was the play blown dead from the throw-in, or was well, it the like, ball was went it out live? for a throw-in? The guy yeah, went so the, and
2: quickly took it.
1: Yeah, so that happened. So so the second foul he committed was that during the run of play or is there like he blew the whistle and then that happened?
2: No, the, it was during the run of play. So the guy okay. threw it in and Martinelli like kind of pushed, not even pushed the guy, but like put his hands kind of in his face. Okay. And the guy fell over really soft. Like, and then he did the other foul. And then Michael Oliver is going to call it, but saw the advantage. So gave the advantage. So Martinelli ran and pushed the guy from the back. <laughs> Probably looks hilarious. I got to find the, the clip of it or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to get
1: more of a grasp.
2: Yeah, one of those things. I mean, we don't gotta we don't gotta live here, but it's um, just funny. it's it's one of those things. A really harsh red, kind of could have really ruined the game if it was it a really big game in a big heated moment. Can you imagine if that happened in Champions League, oh, in yeah, the final?
0: No. Yeah,
2: <laughs> What well, you would think fireworks. you would think in
1: the Champions League final,
2: whichever clubs are there are
1: mature clubs, and which Arsenal I don't think is there yet. You know, I, don't, I can't see, like, uh, a Man City and a Bayern Munich doing that or something mid-game, like, getting mm-hmm. too overheated. Yeah. Martin now is a young kid. Uh, he's been playing well for Arsenal the last couple of seasons and really making his breakthrough now um, with their recent run of form and, like, how they've progressed to the top, you know, top four, top five, top six. But, yeah, just kid being a kid, I guess, and just trying to, I don't know, do a little too much for his team. 20 minutes left to go in the game still. Mm-hmm. Like was, it wasn't like it was, you know, last couple of minutes of the of the match. You can put your team behind, the twenty minutes to go against a team already pressing and already down one nil. I mean, that's kind of a tough spot to put your team into. Yeah. Um, the reason why I asked if, if the play was dead was because I remember watching. This had to be either this had to be either Euro twenty, either Euro two thousand and eight or World Cup twenty ten. I can't remember, and a through ball was played over top of the defender. And I think it was Spain. It was a match with Spain and Portugal. Do you remember this game? No, it was Portugal and Netherlands or something. Yeah. And it was like a crazy game. It was like two red cards. and like Oh, there yellows. was like
2: four red cards, I thought. Yeah, it was nuts. I think each team got two.
1: It was nuts, something. yeah. And there was
2: like eight yellows.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was this match. Yeah. Uh, a ball was played over top. And I can't remember the players. can't remember the teams, exactly what happened. But the attacker tried to stick his leg out and control the ball like with his foot up like this high and he hit the guy, hit the defender right in the chest. Yeah. Like spiked to the chest, knocked him down, like just a complete red card offense. But the play was blown dead because it was offside. So you can't give the foul because the play was dead at the time. Like ridiculous foul. Yeah. Like Hmm. almost decapitated the guy. I remember Because it was called offside, the referee can't issue a yellow card or red card. What's your guys' take on that? I probably I'm, I'm sorry, they, I don't know if they have changed the rules since then, if they can't issue cards after the run of play is done, like, if, mm-hmm. like if, plays, if the play is blown dead, if it can go back if something happens, because we've seen it before like when a whistle gets blown and they're like fisticuffs afterwards where they're headbutting yeah. each other or something stupid like that but to yeah. if there's a foul involved in the play, of, in the run of the game after the whistle's blown I don't know if you can be carded for it.
2: Yeah, which is I, weird, but like, is which weird. is weird. Because if you fought, like if people started fighting. <laughs> you could. That's, what, oh, that's it. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah, but that's, the, that's different, probably different where offenses, I sit. though. Yeah, that's probably where I sit where, you know, in that situation, the, the attacker was clearly trying to play the ball, even though it was like really poor and probably out of control. He was trying to play the ball and play according to the run of play even though he was doing it poorly whereas if the ref blew the whistle and like joe said a fight broke out then the players are acting knowingly after the play so right. the players are taking action when they know the play is dead whereas this guy was still playing as if he thought the play was still going on so i think yep. it depends on like what what how are the players acting in terms of do they know the play is dead or do they not know it's dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, probably where I would sit. Yeah, the offside call wasn't made until after the the foul took place, but mm-hmm. it was still.
1: I don't know. It, it was. It, I just remember to this day. I'm like, how is that not a card? Like he just almost killed the guy, <laughs> but just because he's offside, like he saved himself basically because he was offside and he committed the foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I got that was this was me being younger and just. Losing my lid. I'm like, how is this even possible right now? <laughs> yeah. How, how is no card being issued here? Um, so that wrapped up the midweek games. I think some of these were makeup matches. I don't know if it was actual um, official match day games. Uh, I think some of them might have been makeup matches, like the earlier game between Burnley and Watford on that Saturday was a makeup game. Um, so that ended up being the final result for the Thursday match, 1-0 Arsenal in, uh, versus Wolves. Skip ahead a couple of days. Uh, Chelsea and Arsenal were supposed to play this weekend. Chelsea was off in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, one of the two. Haven't decided which one it was yet. Um, playing in the, what's it called, Joe? Club World Cup. The Club Thanks. World Cup. I think it's a ridiculous tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, even like being a Chelsea supporter and like, yeah, we won a trophy again. Like, great. It, this is just, this does not have to be a mid a mid-season tournament mm-hmm. in my eyes it's just another you know example or another way that top clubs whatever league you're playing in has more you know international duty or more um like non-season like games to play just more fatigue more travel um if this was still in the heart of covid and pandemic restrictions they would have had to quarantine probably it's just I think it's just a whole bunch of nonsense to be able to to play these matches. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that the final was held in Abu Dhabi kind of shows like why they have this tournament, I think, and they've had it for the last uh, couple of decades. I think they started in like the late nineties or early 2000s. Um, I guess like the the gist of this tournament is that every domestic champion from the previous season which makes no sense because Chelsea
2: didn't win the champion they won Champions League, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, like, each like continental. they won Champions League and then the winner of the North American Champions League. Oh, okay. So, I thought it was, like, domestic, American.
1: like, your your season.
2: No, it's, like, your Continental uh, Club Championship. So, like, UEFA Champions League and then, like, CONCACAF Champions League. Okay, and, like, yeah. African. Yeah. But the African Cup for... As far as well, I know. Whatever. Okay, <laughs>
1: that makes more sense. But still, you have, you know, Chelsea playing against Palmeiras from Brazil. Um, they played the African champion earlier, I think. It was a team from, I don't know, I think Saudi Arabia or something. Um, is it necessary? I don't think so. If they want to hold this tournament, go ahead. But like the fact that Chelsea is the ninth European club in, in a row to win this um, this tournament just kind of goes to show like how much better these clubs are than anybody else and how it's not really that significant to hold this kind of tournament. Does it get more publicity? Does it get more fans involved? Does it generate more money? Of course it does.
2: I just don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're it's a it's a tournament with what eight teams, something like that. Yeah, maybe even yeah, yeah. I think about eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah, and right in the middle of uh, Chelsea season, it's more of an interference. I mean, yeah, no one. I, I don't want to say no one really cares, but. I do not (laughs) care. It's yeah. You even being a Chelsea fan, it's, it's probably as low as it gets on your priority list of what Chelsea needs to win to, uh, have a successful season. Mm -hmm. So we've said it again. You know, if you're a top player on a top team, you're playing 45 plus weekends or weeks out of the year and traveling all over the place. I forget when it where son traveled a ridiculous amount of, uh, Kilometers over the entire world going from Korea back to England playing in different competitions takes mm-hmm. a toll on you. So, yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually looking at the bracket. I think from so it's a turn this year, it was from February 3rd to 11th. I think like all the games, like all the games are between then and they're all in. Like the one location so you go it's like uh what is it like great well grade school where we all go to the uh day day champions yeah kind of the same (laughs) thing but they all play on like more than like obviously over a course of a few days or several days yeah very strange you set up the tents with your team get all the watermelon and oranges out (laughs) i mean it's probably not it's probably kind of fun i guess it's it's, it would it kind of sucks it's in like the middle of the season like you said because they got other more important stuff going on but yeah, it's, probably... it's, it's, it's a different,
1: <laughs> if it, it's a different experience, but I mean, make this a preseason tournament or something then.
2: Yeah. I can't like,
1: make this a kickoff. Like, cause they already do those in, in the preseason anyways, where they go on tours. Yeah. You know, you'll have the likes of Real Madrid, you know, Manchester United, PSG going on a tour to, you know, the U S or, mm. or Asia for sure. They go to Asia all the time. Make this like a preseason tournament,
0: mm-hmm.
1: have it in Abu Dhabi, have it in Dubai, Qatar, wherever you want to have it. Where you can generate a lot of money, a lot of buzz, and then just host it over like a you know ten days or something, or you know two weeks, where it's not as significant, where guys can rest up. You know, you can play players like Billy Gilmore for Chelsea instead of playing Kai Havertz. You know, yeah. Um, I think that'd be a better situation than this because even, even though we're kind of making we're poking fun of it, and that like it was obviously a trophy. I mean, Chelsea was playing Mason Mount and Pulisic, and yeah. Lukaku was all was, was playing. Um, Pulisic just coming off international break with the United States, so he traveled from, you know, London to the U.S. wherever he went to New York, or um, I think they had a game in in Wisconsin or Minnesota. So like, London mm. to New York to Minnesota, maybe he saw his family for a little bit in Pennsylvania. Fly back to London, go to Abu Dhabi. And then like travel back again, like that's just crazy travel for mm-hmm. you know, a two week gap.
2: Yeah. It's a lot. And like you said, I don't want to say it's a money grab. Like, you know, I'm sure, I don't know what the, what the intent is behind this tournament. It's the just host cra- was a
1: Saudi Prince. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, they probably just do it because they can. Which and it was like
1: Abramovich and a Saudi prince in a press box together.
2: Yeah, I do see a lot of players come out and say like, "We play like a lot of games." I know Gundogan a little while ago said like, "There's no consideration, even Courtois. There's no consideration for like player health. Like they played, I don't even know how many games." Yeah, and this is nuts. They have a like, I they have a third place game, which is one like Champions League doesn't even have that, which is nuts. They also have a fifth place game. So An actual the, game or just. No like result. The, so the teams go to the semifinal yeah. after the sec. So they have a first round where two teams face off. Like, I think it's probably based on C cause I think it's a middle Eastern club and I'm not sure where AS Parade is from, but they play the winner of that goes to the second round. And then the winner of the second round goes to the semifinal and it looks like the European team and the South American team have a bye. But the losers from the second round go to a fifth place game. <laughs> That's Which why it's a money grab. Crazy! Yeah. <laughs> what are you mean fifth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you. Any, won fifth. In any other tournament, you, <laughs> you lose. You then and you just fifth. go home. I this think this is for money. Fifth place game, and there. I think there's. Yeah, there's eight. How many teams are there? Eight teams. Yeah. There's <laughs> a buy. It fifth. might
1: be six teams. Fifth. fifth place yeah, game. I guess it's six. Right. That is crazy. That's crazy. That's like, we should do like what we did with the, with the Plonid tournament, get, yeah. get all drunk before the game. And then if you lose and you go to the semifinal game or you go to the third place game, you just say, whoever has enough guys to fit the field can, can just get the result.
2: Yeah. I think that happened for us once. Like, yeah. why does it matter? I mean, if you, even if you finished re- third, Which doesn't matter. In retrospect, you know, granted some of these uh, other clubs, like, you know, for uh, Paul Moraes and Chelsea, I know, I know they're probably, you know, obviously Chelsea's sitting pretty good financially, maybe for some of these other clubs. I get that. They're for it because like, yeah. oh, like we can go to this tournament, play a ton of games and we have like all these sponsors like Adidas, Coca-Cola. So it's probably yeah good for them. But so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the big clubs go, but like, the uh, the small clubs are the one that's really benefit financially. I know it's the case with the FA Cup because right. I know a lot of people say it's like, oh, what's the point of the FA Cup? Like, plays all these games, got to go to like wherever. But like, that's really big for like, you know, let's say like Wrexham or Ryan <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds' if they yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they're are they an English team like fourth division. Yeah, okay. they they put
1: in the same league as uh, our boys. Oh God, born what was that team? Bornwood.
2: Bornwood
0: oh, goal. What <laughs> other team was? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they had, like, City go to Wrexham, it'd be, like, a massive financial Borham. boost for them. Borham,
1: yeah. Sorry, Borham, Wood, and Wrexham play in the same league. Yeah. Talked with them last uh, last episode, if you guys want to talk about or listen to us talk about FA Cup and Borham, Wood, and their efforts to progress in the FA Cup. Uh, tune back yeah. into that one. Yeah, You know, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for those smaller clubs, of course. I, I keep saying it's a cash grab. It's a cash grab all around for the bigger clubs, for the smaller clubs. Obviously, yeah, it would help a a side, um, like yeah, like the like a Concacaf Champions League, um, winner. Like it would help them. Yeah, it's pretty cool that like Toronto FC is eligible to to be in that. I don't know they were almost I mean, in it like, a little a little yeah, while they, ago. They played Tigres, I think, from Mexico in the yeah. semifinal. I believe I think they lost. Well, they obviously did lose that. No, it was the
2: final. It was, was the, the final, final. They lost the final, but the final was two legs, which was super weird. Oh, I
1: hate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I hate it. that. Yeah, that's not. Nah, that's, that's yeah. unfortunate. Anyway, that's the Club World Cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because of the Club World Cup, the Chelsea Arsenal match that was supposed to be played yesterday on Saturday was postponed uh, to a later date. And that's another thing too. Just like in the in the world of this season, like you don't need to be postponing more games. Mm-hmm. Like it should not. This should just not be a mid season tournament. Mm-hmm. If you want to have it, go ahead, have it. Make it a preseason tournament when you can, you know, rest some players and not have to worry about rescheduling. Important matches like, uh, like the London derby, Chelsea and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about Southampton earlier, uh, coming off their big win against Tottenham midweek. They had a draw yesterday against Man United. Uh, final, there was one one. Uh, I didn't have, have much notes from this one. I think just a lack of finishing for the both mm-hmm. clubs kind of hurt the game because uh, this could have swung three two probably in either one's direction if you know if Rashford was able to convert or. Or Che Adams um, had some more chances that he could have converted on. Uh, Broja was another player for Southampton who actually he's pretty pretty good. I think he's a Chelsea player and he's on loan, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, he is. Yeah, I should know that, but yeah, uh, he's Albanian player. Yeah, he's on loan to to Southampton from Chelsea. So yeah, he's he's played pretty well. I mean, I haven't watched him play that much, but whenever I do see a Southampton game, he seems to always kind of be involved in some sort of the play. Um, but yeah, this is kind of more, obviously, a detrimental result for United than Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, just from where they're at in the standings and how they should be performing. Their run of form is looking like Chelsea's run of form, which is something that nobody wants to have right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, with just more more draws and victories coming in the last uh, few matches for them when all your other main rivals competitors are, competitors are pulling off wins uh, minus... What West Ham what West Ham has done the last couple of weeks, but everybody above them is just pulling out more results um in in the positive, and United is just getting
2: draws left and right. Yeah, it's I, I do think Ragnet's done a, a decent job so far. Um I do really hope that it doesn't turn into a situation where his jobs in uh mm-hmm. in question just because they're not Getting the most convincing results, um, I do hope he just gets a little more time because i do I do think they're playing better. Uh, the results aren't quite coming, so i just I just think he needs more time because if he if he gets let go, it's just we're gonna get into the back of the regular cycle we see with Manu mm-hmm. mm-hmm. even though these results are definitely not ideal. yeah, I mean I keep going back, I think me. and... When our my friends at work talked about it unless until there's a change at the very top, I don't think you're going to see Manu get back to the glory days, to be honest, unless you get a manager that's really, really, really good and is willing to put up with some of the shenanigans that goes on. Um, cause let's be honest, like you spent how much money on Van de Beek and he <laughs> doesn't play. And like, I don't know if that was the manager that wanted him or it was like the club just, Oh, pressure from the fans. Let's make the fans happy. Let's go get this guy. Like, I don't know what's going on. You have like all these, you're not really filling the holes that you need. Like we keep saying like, no disrespect to Fred McTominay, but you spent all this money on like Sancho and Vandebeek and like all these guys, but you're not even filling the holes. That's like the crutch of what's going on with your team right now. Yeah. So I'm not sure how like things are being run. But until there's, like, a big makeup shift where you transition from, like, oh, we're Man you and, you know, our main priority. Like, I think Santo said before how it's, like, it seems like they're more, like, a conglomerate that's, like, trying to make money versus, like, a club that wants to win. So, I mean, it just speaks volumes that, like, they're not going out. It's, like, we have to fill our holes in the midfield instead of, like, going after the next big shiny signing, which... Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little unfortunate, but until there's that shift, I don't think we're ever really gonna see a change, to be honest.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> what do you oh you fan. Hi Lena. Hey Lena. i say hi. Wait. Hi. Say hi. <laughs> Hello. Say hi. Did you have a good yeah. time at grandma and grandpa's house? Did you have fun at Nana's house? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mommy and Daddy just took a little vacation.
0: What did they do at Nana's?
1: What did you do at Nana's house? Did you make Jello? No. No? I thought you did.
0: I been candy. You got candy had store.
1: Oh, you got candy at the store. Yeah. That sounds
2: fun. Candy at the store. Candy <laughs> at the fun. store. Okay. Club chairs. Okay. Say bye, guys. Bye, Lena. Bye. I like your orange bow tie. Bye. Say, say bye. <laughs>
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Run along. Run along. I know.
1: (laughs) Um Cindy Lou
2: Who to a T. Yeah,
1: I know. Well she was Cindy Lou I showed you you guys a picture. She was Cindy Lou last year for Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Hilarious. (laughs) Um (laughs) I heard the end of that that take you just had, but um, I think just with the case of United too, um, they obviously have like one of the more outspoken fan bases around. And when you have, you know, people on Twitter that obviously just put their team on blast sometimes and they say like, I can't watch this team. Um, it's the same mistakes over and over again. Shout out Rory Aikman uh, roars on, <laughs> on Twitter. I always see him posting about, about United and how it's the same issues, same problems, and they just don't fix them. Mm-hmm. Um I, it's difficult for me to like look at a side like United who obviously has these glaring holes, most of them being um, defensively and Radnick has been in there and, and done a good job. Like we said, kind of just like solidifying the back there more just with his tactics because they haven't made any transfers that they, that of any note really. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about in the transfer season that they have to pick up a center midfielder or defensive midfielder, maybe another center back or something. And they just did nothing in, in January. So when you have a fan base as passionate and as outspoken as United and they're demanding change and they're demanding results all the time. And then you sit back and do nothing to shake up the team, except for letting a player like Van Diby go on loan <laughs> to, to, yeah. to Everton. I know, <laughs> which is like just the most confusing thing because like the, all the fans want is for him to get a chance to play because they think he can perform. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy who next to McTominay could really do a good job, I think for this club. And then you let that one guy go, which is kind of just hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um. Maybe, yeah, maybe he doesn't fit in Van Der Beek or in um, Ragnick's system. It could be like a whole money ball kind of thing where, where Rangnick has his guys and he wants them to play all the time. Mm-hmm. They are getting yeah. pressure from the fan base pressure from, you know, ownership to say, we want Donnie to play. We want Donnie to play. And then he ships them out to Everton. <laughs> like, you can't yes. play
2: Donnie now because he's gone. Yeah. That's the question. Donnie's is, not playing first base now because he's not here. Yeah, is, uh, is Chris Pratt uh, McTominay or Fred and Vandebeek is uh, Pena? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it Pitt, is. Brad Pitt just goes into no, the room I think, room and says, I I like, think uh, Pena's the guy that brought him. Wasn't it uh, Jeremy? He was the guy's little brother. I Jeremy
1: Jumby. He actually just passed away this, uh, this past weekend. Oh man, that's Jeremy Giambi. Sad. Jason John. Jeremy Jason. God, I'm so bad. Yeah. Jason is who they Could... brought in, I think.
0: Oh, I forget. Cause,
2: no, because Chris Pratt was the, was the catcher who couldn't throw. Yeah. So he had to play first yeah. base. And then they had the all star Pena. <laughs> no, he. Jeremy wait, Jeremy Jambi Jeremy just, is, pa- this, Jeremy this, just here's passed what away. Happened. Here's
1: what happened in Money a couple box. days ago. Who's that? Said Jeremy Jambi just passed away a couple of days ago.
2: Was he, I know, cause there was the really, really good one, Jason or Jeremy, Jeremy, Jason was the good one. Jason was from the Yankees. Like he yeah. was, so he was really good and he was yeah. on the A's and well, and then he sold them to the, I, they sold him, I think to New he York. He left to the Yankees. Yeah. And then they brought in his younger brother, mm-hmm. who, had, but who had the attitude issue. Yeah. And so he let him go. He's like, Jeremy, remember he told, um, uh, the coach he's like, cause the coach kept playing Jeremy. Yeah. And he's like Jeremy's gone too, so you have to play Chris Pratt at first base now, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then but Pena was uh the guy they originally wanted and they couldn't get him, but they got him later because uh he was not doing too well. Or no wait. No, they I got think... Rancone later. Oh yeah, yeah. it was Rancone. Yeah. Rancon, yeah. I just watched this a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah. So Rancon, so that's kind of fresh. Yeah, they kept playing Pena. Yeah. Yeah, they sold think, Pena to, to Detroit.
1: Yeah, I think that's they got rid of Pena. Yeah, they got rid of Pena to Detroit because he wanted Chris Pratt, aka, yeah, uh, what was his name in the, in the movie? haddenberg's Scott haddenberg yeah, oh, Hattenberg, yeah. Yeah, Pena was he wanted first. he wanted him to play first, and Pena was there, and then yeah. Jeremy just I think they just got rid of sorry they got rid of yeah Jeremy just because of his attitude. I don't think because yeah. mm-hmm. so, remember he was celebrating the locker room after a loss yeah yeah and That's he's saying that. how he hates he hates losing more than he likes winning yeah, yeah. Santos right now is famous quote
2: <laughs> oh Santa was, Santa was right about a movie this time. <laughs> Yeah. record it what, what's it Eleven fifty two on february 13th 2022
1: Boom. the power of video we can always save that play that you guys play that your guys next birthday yeah yeah
2: so Van de Beek was um pena <laughs> yep yeah and mctominay was uh is scott hatterberg scott hatterberg but he's well,
1: playing but but mctominay's playing though that's the thing
2: yeah, it could also know. be the other way around. It could be. The other yeah, way around. it could actually be the other way around. <laughs> I think Van de Beek was actually Hatterberg, and McTominay was Pena. Yeah, where well, just like, sorry, Scott, you got it. Yeah, go. but then they just got rid of Hat. <laughs> then they just got rid of Hatterberg. <laughs> That's probably what it actually is. So they're not doing <laughs> the system.
1: Ranić has yeah. his way of doing it because, like, he obviously wasn't there when Van de Beek was brought in. Um, mm-hmm. He was. I don't even know if he was uh, managing at that time, but he's obviously back in Germany, and. Um, yeah, maybe he saw something in training he didn't like from Van De Beek. Um I mean, if I was Van De Beek, I'd be giving an attitude problem too, because you're there to play. Yeah. And yeah. he's in the peak of his career. He's like twenty-four years old, I think. Yeah. He's been there for a couple seasons now at United and he hasn't been able to to crack the starting eleven or even be the first guy off the bench. Um as a substitute, mm-hmm. to do, which is just obviously frustrating. I um,
2: mean, especially with a player like and the, we won't live here like sons. Um the last yeah. thing on that and I think that's what separates really, really great managers like Guardiola from, you know, maybe even Ragnarok or Ole. Like, you bring in this signing, like, I don't even know how much it costs, like, probably upwards over 60 million. I forget what it was. But could you imagine what that would do to your confidence if you just get bought and now you're on the bench all the time and you're like, what am I doing? I made this high profile move. I'm not even getting a chance. Like, what am I doing? It's going to, like, kill your confidence. Yep. And the amount of players, like, Mares, even Grealish. I know Grealish isn't doing too well, but he's still getting in the side, like keeps getting a chance. And like, he's not playing bad. He's just not like at City's level, like banging in goals like everyone else. Um, So there's that. Like even Bernardo, when he first went, he wasn't really getting in the side. Now he's like the best player in the Premier League. Concello was, everyone was giving him because he wasn't doing too well. And now he's like the best left back in the world. So could you imagine if it was other managers, I feel like those kind of signings would go Either not get the chance because they're not doing too well in training or see how they're doing at the start. It's like, oh, they're like flopping. We got to like find someone else. Like, arguably, Bernardo, Concello, and Marez, when they first went there, were on the cusp of like turning into flops because they weren't getting in the side and they weren't playing well. And now, like, Marez is like the best, arguably, their best winger. Mm-hmm. Bernardo's like the best player in the Premier League and Concello's the, one of the best left backs. So I think you really, if you want to be a big club, you have to look at that player development and really understand, you know, the situation that you're in. Cause it's really way more about player management than just like, you know, whatever is going on at these other clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what they do really well. So really Manu has to find someone that can manage that kind of personality. Cause like, think you have Pogba in your side and he's, you know, and you're not getting the best out of Paul Pogba. That's, probably a big problem you got to look at yeah
1: yeah and his issue has been more off the field i think than on Mm -hmm. because when he when he plays he he's not world class anymore i wouldn't put him in that category but when he was um when he was a key part of that france uh 2018 um, world cup winning side like Mm -hmm. he was arguably like top five midfielder in the world because he couldn't be stopped he was like everything he touched turned to gold and he was playing amazing for them. And then since that, I don't know if it got too big for him or if he got too big for the spotlight since that moment. And obviously his clashes that he had with uh, Jose Mourinho when he was at the helm kind of showed a decline in his play and his um his attitude a little bit. But again, I think Ratnik was brought in not for, uh, not to win trophies, not to um, you know, be the guy that's going like, to save Man United and turn them back into glory days. I think he was brought in there as a player manager and maybe there to you know control more of the personality um, troubles that United had, and just like like you said before, in like way earlier podcast when he first got appointed, he's a tactician. Um, he's instrumental in the pressing style, and he kind of like was the one that created that um, that you know style of play that's really popular now with with many different clubs. So I think his goal at United was just bring them back to basics, and just stop making them do costly mistakes that really, you know, can swing the game in either direction for them. And we went through the stat line that they've had a couple of weeks ago saying how in their last couple of results have been like one, no victories or two, one like closer games. Whereas earlier in the season, they were playing games to four, one or three, two with like a loss and giving up these crazy, this crazy amount of goals. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me right now, but just to see the goal differential from when he was, was before there or before he was there to now, um, since the time he has been there, it'd be substantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the goals, four goals against uh, ratio. Yeah. Um, real quick for Van de Beek, he was bought from Ajax for thirty nine point six million pounds. Yeah. Uh, so just shy of forty million pounds. And his deal to Everton, although it's a transfer, uh, looks like the fee would be twenty two and a half. So they're they're losing half the money they made almost. Yeah. Half the money they spent. Sorry. And like in the in the world of United, that doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're a multi-billion-dollar corporation or conglomerate, like we were saying, um, you know, an eighteen million pound loss it really isn't that much to them. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, God, they bought Sandro for like ninety million.
2: Yeah, <laughs> crazy.
1: That's insane. Um, last game from yesterday, we'll talk about real quick. Just Everton leads uh, Lampard's first win uh, in the Premier League. As uh, as the new head boss for for Everton, uh, Van Derby got a start in this match. Deli Ali came on as well. I think later on in the game, uh, but it was the older guys stepping up. Uh, Michael Keane and Seamus Coleman getting their first two goals for Everton in this one. Um, Rodrigo had two chances of his own for Leeds to tie the game up. Uh, unfortunately, hit the crossbar. And Richardson scored to make it three nil later on in the match, just to kind of you know confirm the win for them. Uh, like I said, Lampard's first win for Everton. Maybe this swings them back in the right direction. Uh, they're still down in 16th place, only safe by four uh, by five points from relegation, which is crazy to say for Everton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen crazier things this year. At one point, Arsenal was only five points safe from relegation. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what Lampard can do with the remainder games. He's got I think 16 games left, which is a ton of football to play. Um so we'll see what he can do in the remaining you know third of the season and bring Everton back up to a safer safer spot
2: yeah i mean good for them i would, I keep saying it, i would hate for Everton and Newcastle to get relegated so cool. i want them to get out uh, i mean they're already out but i i hope they climb up the get table out, a bit get I mean, out, mean get really out <laughs> like way back up there but uh you know we'll have to see it's is getting it is starting to take shape a little bit down there um you know newcastle's finally out thank goodness yeah boys <laughs> thank, thank goodness <laughs> we'll disaster see. of the epl history doesn't happen. yeah <laughs> we'll see i they sh- as long as they keep this form and don't lose confidence and just keep grinding it out i think they'll be both be okay we'll see
1: yeah i mean other than man city and liverpool newcastle the next in form side in the last yeah. five matches, which is insane. Yeah. Um, seeing how their start to the season was, was taking place. But when you spend, you know, $100 million that like we said they were going to in the transfer window, you better turn results pretty quick. Yeah. And, um, so. you know, it's the new guys that are kind of doing it for them uh, the last couple of weeks. You know, Trippier scored two goals. Um, I think he scored one goal midweek and a free kick, and then he scored another one um, mm. today. Uh, in their match against Aston Villa to uh, make a one-no victory for Newcastle, uh, like I just said, three wins in a row for for the Magpies and four points safe um, to Lowly Norwich. Uh, mm-hmm. Watford just keeps slipping. I mean, when you fire your manager twice in the same season, like two separate yeah. managers, you really shouldn't be really, You really shouldn't be saved at all. So, yeah. Very you're, tough. you're definitely destined for relegation and then Burnley. I have nothing to say about Burnley. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Burnley Burnley's
1: Burnley's Burnley.
2: Yeah, we've already have... talked about it. Burnley, I think, is just accepting the fact that they're going down. Yeah. Well, they got three floated, games in hand.
1: But they offloaded their like best players in the in the transfer market.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like like Chris Wood going from Burnley to Newcastle, like we said before, they're a team that's like great right in the relegation battle with them. And, like, yeah, they're gonna give money, but yeah. you're competing directly with this one club. <laughs> Like, why would you give them any help?
2: Yeah. I mean, looking like who's close to them, like Brentford Leeds, Everton, Newcastle. It'd be a very, unless Norwich, Wofford and Burnley go on like a crazy run of form. Um, be very, very tough. Like Newcastle, Everton, obviously turning to like, they'll be pretty consistent. Hopefully going forward, Brentford's been, per, I mean, they've struggled a lot. Mm-hmm. They might creep a little bit closer. I think, you know, hopefully Lester figures it out. Um, yeah, we'll but they're all, But those are safe sides. Like, I think Bradford, Leicester, are definitely gonna be safe. Um, <laughs> you would think. You never know what happens. No, <laughs> oh, like I know five I know. losses come out of nowhere. I mean, I Brentford not too long ago was.
1: Well, nine. Brentford
2: was like was shooting for the stars at the beginning of the season. They were in top ten, yeah. top
1: six, even for a little bit, along with uh, with Brighton. Yeah, to start the season, you just gotta um, get
2: to that forty points.
1: So yeah, that they for. say that's like the the clincher around
2: yeah. forty. Yeah, I think it'll probably be less this season yeah um, big disconnect but usually <laughs> usually around there mm-hmm.
1: you're safe uh so 40 points newcastle that's 19 more points math right. how many more wins do they need um like seven six and you a like third six, six and a couple draws <laughs> yeah six
2: and a third
1: uh they can pull up six more wins they got three in a row just now yeah um quickly just hit the Newcastle schedule. They got West Ham coming up. Tough one. Brentford. It's a gettable match. Brighton. And they got Newcastle versus Chelsea. They got Crystal Palace. Spurs. Wolves. They actually got a tough schedule. <laughs> um, oh, my God. And then their last. So they play Norwich in their fifth last game. And they go at, at Liverpool, home to City, at Arsenal, and then Burnley in the last match of the season.
2: Could be a they, better get these,
1: they better get these six wins now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or at least four. And then you can maybe beat up on Norwich and Burnley in the last month of the uh, season to clinch your spot. But, oof. Look
0: at you, sure. we already,
1: should we already be looking at the end of the table? At the end of the schedule, sorry? Like, are we are we that close yet or no?
2: Kind of creeps up on you. I mean, ha- we have how many makeup games? So I know I know there's True. a ton of games left, but they're all going to come in like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> someone's going to have like three games in a week. And then before you know it, there's going to be like six games left. And you're like, how did I get here?
1: Yeah, there's going to oh. be tons
2: of midweek games that aren't yeah. part of the
1: schedule that are just going to be thrown in left and right. Yeah. Um, like I'm already looking down the table now or down this the schedule now, sorry. And there's matches at the end of February that are already postponed between sides because they have other commitments going on.
0: Mm-hmm, Those yeah.
1: are, they haven't been played yet and they're already postponed just because we know that something else is coming up, whether it be Champions League matches midweek, it uh, looks like Chelsea and Liverpool—they um, have two matches postponed. Uh, the end of February, I think, because um, there's—I think there's Sunday matches, and they have Champions League on the Tuesday. So mm. they've they've contacted the FA to get those um, postponed to a later date. Um, so we'll have Champions League coming up, which is which is always fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon at the end of the month, and just to round out the weekend games. um, I mean, whenever Man City plays, we can just kind of gloss over that one unless it's a top-four match because <laughs> they're just going to beat up on Norwich 4-0 or beat up on Burnley 5-0. Yeah. Um, yesterday, it was the Raheem Sterling show, hat-trick hero for Man City. Phil Foden pitched in with the goal, too. Uh, 4-0 victory against Norwich. And then Liverpool, <clears throat> Liverpool beat up on Burnley 1-0 earlier this morning. And Wolves came away with a 2-0 victory against Tottenham um, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So for them to go in there and beat up on Spurs, um, coming off obviously the match against Arsenal midweek with that loss, so they are kind of want to bounce back a little bit. And like we touched on Spurs kind of slipping down the table now. Um, three losses in a row. Um, mm-hmm. They drop below the positive uh, goal differential uh, for the first time I think this season. They're now a minus one. Um I mean, like when you have Harry Kane and Son in your team, you should be scoring more than twenty-eight goals this season so far.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's I'm like, pretty sure like twenty-six of those are Son. So,
2: yeah, you're like uh, barely, barely at a goal, uh,
1: just past the goal a game, really. Yeah, like at one point, one point two, maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Again, me it's, and math, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough when you're not scoring, right? You need you need to count. Usually, you, you know, Son, Kane, Lucas Samora all really reliable, but. You know, can't always say it's their fault. I mean, if they're not getting service, they're just not getting service. So hopefully Tottenham can bounce back because eighth, not going to bode well with uh, the Tottenham fans. No, and bringing in Betancourt and and Kuliszewski
1: from Juventus. I mean, Kuliszewski especially, he was an attacking threat. I mean, he did play for Juve. He just always looked to go forward. Um, I don't think he... He might have had a start today. I'm not totally sure. But um, I'm sure he'll get his way into the side. I mean, at Juve, he was starting if someone was injured. Um, But I think with Tottenham, he's kind of he probably will be like one of the first guys to get on the the uh, team sheet for the starting eleven once he can get himself settled more and get some more uh, training sessions under his belt. Antonio Conte would know him from from coaching in Italy uh, with uh, with Inter last season, so um, he's not um, it's not he's not an unknown player. He obviously has mindset on him. And Betancourt is more just like, um, he's not a Bergwijn, sorry, not Bergwijn, he's not a, a Hoiberg player, like type player, but he's there more for defensive um, mm-hmm. responsibilities, which clearly Tottenham needs right now because Kuliszewski on the attacking side, Betancourt on the defensive side, those could be the two guys that kind of swing them in the right direction this year, um, for the second half of the season. But like anything else, like we said with Steven Gerrard and, and just having more time under your belt, you just you gotta put in the hours, you gotta put in the minutes all the time, right? And mm-hmm. just it can't be just snap your fingers and you know do what Newcastle has done. Like that was obviously kind of like a one-off with Trippier just having the impact he has so far with Newcastle. Yeah. But um some players just take more time. I mean I'm still waiting for Timo Berner to show up. And it's been <laughs> two seasons. So yeah. It's all patience, um, right? Oh, God. This guy
2: man. <laughs> this guy. He's gonna oh, no. turn into just a uh, just a world class stud. And I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Just give it to Andrew. He's gonna go to Arsenal and crush it. That's <laughs> oh, happened. that'd be gross. <laughs> like, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Does Chelsea even play soccer
1: anymore in the Premier League? Like, what the hell is going on? When's their next? No, they're game?
2: done. They're just stuck at how many points they have.
1: <laughs> I-, I don't know when they're playing. Oh, there they are, Crystal Palace. Okay, Jesus. February 19th against Palace. So next, yeah. next Saturday. yeah, is Chelsea's next Premier League game. Because like, they're one of those sides that haven't missed many games for, for COVID protocol. So they don't have to play midweek mm-hmm. matches, which mm-hmm. is good for them. Um, they're sitting on 24 matches played. Also, I'm looking. I'm like, okay, they didn't play yesterday. They didn't play last weekend because it was international break. Like, when did they play? Like, their last game from the Premier League was... was January. That can't be true. January 23rd. January 23rd was Chelsea's last Premier League match.
0: Yeah. Because they've had them. a national
1: break and they've had um, FA Cup. And they've had the Champions Cup of Cup champions. And then, yeah, postponed yesterday and then next week. So, mm-hmm. I better not be hearing anything about, you know, fatigue with the side. Or <laughs> I know I just gave them a shit about having to travel to Abu Dhabi for this match or this little tournament. They better not be tired. I better not see any injury report. Lukaku is not playing. Mouse not playing. Crystal Palace. They better be guns blazing and put away six
0: <laughs>
1: at Selhurst Park. Yeah, there you go. Boom, boom. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of the games next week. Um, Chelsea Palace on the Saturday. Um, also on the Saturday, Man City and Tottenham. See if Tonic can bounce back. See if City keeps rolling. Um, as far as big, big matches, I mean, Wolves and Leicester City, that's kind of like a derby match um, in the whole Midlands area. So that's always a good one to tune into. Two teams going in different directions. Uh, United plays against Leeds on the Sunday as well. And then, I mean, if you want to watch Newcastle play just for your own benefit or if you want to <laughs> watch me buy a jersey, maybe mid, mid-match, depending on how they do, uh, they're playing the early match against West Ham on, um, on Saturday, the 19th of February that yeah, should Ooh. be good that was a little power episode just yeah. trying to crush this one um, yeah. we're just blazing through it yeah my head's like on a swivel right now scrolling through stuff um, oh yeah one thing I just want to add real quick we, haven't done, we have not done the low-key good the LKG player of the week mm-hmm. uh, in some time um, Neil Mope for Brighton He's mm-hmm. low-key, good. Yeah. He's a good little player. Um, he uh he showed up yesterday for the match against uh see I scrolled too far now. I'm gone. Oh god. <laughs> I'm in I'm in September. That's how far back <laughs> I scrolled. Um the match against Watford. I mean again, Watford is Watford, they're are clearly slipping, but uh just another match that he scored the, the winner, he scored the first goal of the game, then the 2 0 victory. Mm-hmm. And I did a little deep dive on Neil Mopé. He's 25 years old, a French player, played a lot of his um, early career in France, and then he made his debut in England for Brentford and playing in the championship division in 2017. And he was sold to Brentford for 1.6 million uh, pounds from Saint-Étienne. And then the last two seasons, he's been been at Brighton, and he's been, I mean, Mm -hmm. their number nine for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, he's got eight goals and 21 league appearances this season. And so he scored 33% basically of Brighton's goals all year. Yeah. Um, I mean, from one contributor, that's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty significant stat line. And he scores in almost 40% of the games that he plays in this season. Yeah. Doing a little mope analytics in my, in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, um, he's, he's been good. I mean, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good player. Yeah, every time, you know, I watch Brighton play, uh, he's always just, like, hounding defenders and, like, giving giving them a hard time. And just his worth, work ethic, I think, is really good. And he always, he always shows up to play. He's one of those players that I just feel, you know, even if he's having an off day, he's going to put in the work ethic and just make it uh, as good as a game as it possibly can be for him. I think players like that
1: that have work ethic as their main motivator are, like, yeah. really good players. Yeah, you can just hard, rely on them. They're hard to find sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, like a Jared Bowen for, for West Ham. I know we... I, mean, I think, <laughs> think like we've hit our, Your we favorite our annual, our annual uh, quota of hitting Jared Bowen's name at least once a podcast. Um, he... Uh, now, yeah, him, Mopey, um, John McGinn from Aston Villa. Just, like, tough, gritty players. Mm-hmm. Um, even um, uh, Phillips from Leeds who you know made yeah. an impact this this European Cup for England. These players are starting to become more valuable and more popular, I think, mm-hmm. um, for clubs. I, I guess you can put in Colo Conte Kante into that kind of realm of player who just has a motor on him mm-hmm. and just kind of flies all over the pitch. And it's like whenever you need to, to, someone to stick a tackle or someone to be there for interception, you can kind of rely on that guy to be there. Uh, Mope, obviously, being a striker, he fits the build a little bit differently, but he's still just like a good go-getter he chases down defenders, he puts pressure on the keeper, and the ball goes back there, and he can help create mistakes and opportunities just by hustling mm-hmm. and like I look at other players like who just kind of you know dolly around the pitch sometimes and they don't give their full effort like yeah, maybe their talent can carry them forward just on that merit like by itself. But when you have someone with this kind of work ethic and like determination because you know you're not always guaranteed a spot sometimes, right. Like I think in Mo yeah. Pace case, he is because like Brighton is obviously a mid-level team, um, but they just have a good you know collection of players that play well together. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, on a side like Man City and you've already signed like your big contract and you've already made it, then you kind of maybe back off a little bit or maybe like in kind of like in Pogba's case, we're talking with Man United or even mm-hmm. like Martial or Rashford. Like, yeah, like they're great players and all, but you can see them on the pitch sometimes dogging it a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe in the back of their mind, they say, Oh, I've already made my contract. Oh, well, I'm already getting paid 8 million per season or something. pays not yeah. making that kind of money. Yeah. You know, yep. Jared Bowen's not making that kind of money yet. So they kind yeah. of have to like always be on the clock, always running, always hustling, always trying to prove themselves. And it shows up, man. It stands out. Like, I don't see these guys making like big, big moves to huge clubs for anything massive in the future because they are detrimental to, oh, detrimental they are no, not detrimental. They're key consequential key inconsequential. I don't know. I don't know. They, they're definitely not inconsequential. Word. No, they're a big word for their team and, uh, um, <laughs> <we're>, big word. <laughs> yeah. insert big word here for their team. So I think they're going to stay and stick around. Kind of like what we talk about Declan Rice too. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, just being such a big part of the team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my little, that's my Mope rant. I think he's just a good, good player. Um, he's got dual citizenship. He could play for France or Argentina if he gets nice. called up. Um, yeah, he's had some uh, like under twenty one and below um, international matches played for France, but never cracked the uh, you know the senior team. Yeah, twenty five years old. Oh, Benzema on his way out. Oh, they got this guy called Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I don't know. Let's we'll see if Mo can ever get there.
2: Yeah, just we'll see. If he does, no, he's yeah, here he's first. good. Definitely low key good. Yep.
0: Yeah,
1: low key good, and just like yeah, just. And, I mean, I think in in Brighton's eyes, he's like high key good because like mm-hmm. he's like all they have really <laughs> to to go forward yeah. and and to counter for goals all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, are we done? Is that a wrap?
2: I think I Ooh, think we think so.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Cool. I wanna thank everyone for tuning in, for listening, for watching on YouTube. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, search footy fans podcast, fans spelt P-H-A-N-S. Um, there's actually a game being played right now I kind of forgot about, Leicester <laughs> uh, and West Ham. Uh, if you're listening live, well, you not, not live. If you're listening, it's halftime. <laughs> and it's 1-1 between West Ham and Leicester on Sunday. Um all right, as always, we'll tune in next week after all the week's action.
2: See everyone, everyone.
1: Ciao.